Welcome to Barbells to Buddhas, and I'm your host, Roar Alexander, online fitness, health, and body transformation coach. Now, I can honestly say I spent well over a decade in the gym not getting nearly the results for the work that I was putting in, wasting lots of time, lots of money, and just like those aimless workouts, my life was the exact same. Lame jobs, crappy apartments, living paycheck to paycheck, never building what I wanted either inside or outside the gym. So one day, I just said to myself, enough is enough. With no credit cards, no money, no plan, I bought a one-way ticket to Hong Kong because all I knew was my life sucked and it had to change. And for years, I traveled Asia and India, discovered new cultures, traditions, foods, and my body and my life just started to come together. And I realized that I'd been making fat loss, muscle gain, body transformation, and even my life so much more complicated than it had to be. And now this is what I'm hoping to bring to you, helping you transform your body in the gym to live much better outside the gym. And saying that, let's get on to Barbells to Buddhas. Welcome everybody to Barbells to Buddhas Live. I am your host, Roar Alexander, and today I have an episode coming up for you that is very timely for the new year. And what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode is basically the five really, really important, really big things that you need to focus on if you want to lose most of the weight. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you this is not the only thing you have to focus on and, and you're not going to be stepping on stage competing you're not going to be getting a men's health cover magazine but if you are obese and you want to get healthy if you are healthy and you want to get fit if you want to get to literally and i'm not saying if you follow these rules could probably get easily to 15 16 percent body fat if you really dial in what i'm going to talk to you even down there to the 12s and 13s quite easily okay so i just want to make that very clear but before we get into that we'll just talk about a little what's going on so i'm in vancouver right now and man we got a lot of snow i mean for vancouver this is the most that I have personally ever seen in the, you know, the, the, the two times I've lived here. The first time I was here for seven years, uh, moved away, and I did see a lot of snow once. There was another storm I remember when I lived in Lynn Valley that was quite like this. Uh, but yeah, we got almost about 18 inches of snow, and in Vancouver, that basically shuts the city down. And I'm hoping, uh, I'm doing this as a live right now, but I am hoping that my kitty's outside playing right now. I'm hoping he doesn't call me in the middle of this. Um, I told him I'm recording. He's also seven years old. So we'll see. He's all decked up out there. Um, but while we're talking about cold weather, this is kind of interesting. I tend to get colds a lot. I get a lot of, in fact, I'm still at the, the very end, the very tail end. I'm feeling pretty darn good, but I'm still at the tail end of a upper respiratory infection. I get a lot of those. And... Pretty much the, the, the going thing when it comes to respiratory infections or just getting sick in the winter, the lead theory has always been it's because we're inside a lot more often. We're inside, we're not outside, we're mingling with more people. But that never, honestly, that just never really stuck with me because I'm like, I'm one of those people, like even right now, I got the window open a couple inches, even though it's minus 11. I got the window open a little bit. My house is very much not um, energy friendly. There's quite a few drafts in here. So, you know, we got, long story short, 
a lot of fresh air flowing around and I do spend a lot of time outside. I still get my walks and I don't socialize, you know, in massive groups in the summer and in the really in the winter anymore than I do in the summer. I do my my year round is pretty typical. But some new research came out recently, very interesting. It makes a lot more sense to me that actually shows that cold air may actually be the reason why we get sick more often. It has to do with the cold air in your nose because as we all know, or at least you probably know, that the nose is the first line of defense when it comes to germs, right? It's like a filtering system. But what happens apparently is cold air goes in your nose. The nose internal temperature can drop by as much as about nine degrees and it may actually be killing off immunity fighting cells or something like that i can't remember the exact science but basically the cold air is fucking up your immune system so really interesting so on the one hand you know doing cold exposure is good for immunity cold in the body but it looks like cold air in the nose is not so now i'm at this very weird spot in my life because i'm a you know if you know me you watch my recent TikTok. i was out there at seven at 6 30 7 in the morning recently at harrison hot springs in the valley it was like minus five and i'm out there just you know just flannel pants and nothing else on a pair of gloves you know there for for a, you know half an hour run i like cold dipping but like i said i also tend to get sick a lot um, when i do that and i was like so i may end up actually wearing a mask I might be one of those weirdos that you see out that's you know walks around the street wearing a mask by himself, but not because I'm worried about any viruses, only because I'm figuring out, well, if I can keep my nose warm, keep the air going to my nose warm. So I might be one of those people. So if you see me out on the street and you're like, why is that guy wearing a mask out there by himself? Is he gonna catch COVID from a tree? Uh no. I am just trying to keep my nose warm. So I may just go the scarf route. I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. But anyways, I just thought that was kind of a neat little uh, bit of research that came up for those of you that may get sick in the wintertime. And you're like, but I don't mingle a lot more. I don't do a whole lot more. This doesn't make sense to me. It makes a lot more sense now. So... Uh, before we get moving on to, I would like you guys to know that I am opening it up. And because this is going on my podcast as well as my YouTube. I am opening up. I have spots available right now for my new year coaching program and I'm doing a sale that I only do twice a year. The only other time I do this is uh, September for my Halloween body transformation. But I'm going to open three spots for a free bonus in my coaching program. So while my coaching program is open for more than three people, the first three people are going to get either one of two things. Either if you join my VIP one-on-one coaching program where it's you and me reaching your goals together, I'm going to give you one free month. So basically, long story short, the entire month of January will be free and your program length will then start as of February the 1st or three free weeks in my all new January group coaching program. Nice thing about the group coaching program is it does save you money um, close to, I think, 30 or 40 percent from my one on one coaching program. Uh, Same length. Uh, but you're also going to get an extra three weeks on top of that. So that is an amazing deal. So by group coaching program, you're already saving, you know, 30, 40%. And now you're getting three weeks. That's like getting like 50% off. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty darn good deal. But it's only for the first three people who both, um, you know, message me and set up a first five pounds strategy call. Let's take a peek. There he is out there. First five pounds strategy call with me and get accepted into my program because I don't just work with anybody. In fact, I probably turn away 
upwards of 60% of people who say they want to work with me. I don't take a whole lot of people. Luckily, I've built myself into a position in my life where I can be picky and choosy. And I'm picky and choosy only based on people's goals and the fact that I think they are going to be dedicated enough to achieve their goal. I do not tell people what their goals have to be, but it is my job during our calls to make sure that you have a clear vision of where you want to go, what you want to do, and what you want to do with that body, uh, who you're doing it for, why you're doing it, and of course that you are motivated and dedicated to do it because any weight loss journey, any body transformation, any journey in the world, whether it's your first time traveling to a new country like I've done, there's always going to be ups and downs, good days and bad days. And I want to make sure that you're the kind of person that will get through with that. So saying that, reach out. You can go to my, uh, you can DM me, of course, if you're watching this on any sort of social media, you can, or can just DM me. That's the fastest way. Or if you listen to this on my podcast or YouTube, you can go to www.barbellstobuddhas.com slash free call. And there you will see an application at the bottom of the page. You can just fill that out really quickly and I will get in touch with you. So let's get on to today's podcast. So before I get into the five, there's something that I need to preface with. And I was gonna, it was going to be like one of the points, but I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, it's not even a point. It's an overall umbrella that you have to understand. And that is you need to be able to manage your stress because most, I wouldn't even say most, weight loss problems, okay, body transformation, changing weight loss problems, whatever you want to call it, comes down to the decisions you make and the behaviors that you take. So the way you think, the behaviors, and the actions that you take. So I need to preface with that because most of it comes down to you get stressed, you make bad decisions. Now, there is three ways, of course, that you know you can try to deal with stress. Number one, or two ways, let's figure out how many ways. Number one is you can, you know, the first thing you gotta do is you have to figure out what am I stressed about? And here's the thing, right? If you are stressed about money, you have to handle your money shit before you handle your health stuff. I mean, you can start tricking away on your health, but if you honest, I'll tell you guys this. I'm telling I'm telling you this. This is true. I have been places in my life knowing everything, and I know a lot. There are places in my life where when I was so stressed about money that all the good behaviors, all the healthy stuff, I couldn't afford food. I was stressed. I couldn't focus on the gym. I couldn't focus on getting in my steps because I was so going, shit, I don't even know if I can pay the rent this month. And what's a car payment? That, you got to handle that. So number one, very first thing you need to do, right, is figure out what, what areas are you stressed about. Number two, of course, is going to be reducing those stresses. So you need to reduce stresses where you can, and you, that's going to be done through many multiple ways. For instance, if it's money, well, you got a couple options. Option one is you need to make more money, or B is you need to spend less money. I'm not a financial advisor. You do not want me as your financial advisor. <laughs> but that is long story short. So reducing. And then, of course, number three is managing the stress that you have because once you start to manage it then what happens is you'll realize hey you know what i notice when i get stressed and this is me guys when i get stressed i go to junk food so you have to change that behavior and you have to start saying okay when i'm you know in this mood it leads to this habit this behavior this self-destructive as far as my goals go 
action and you need to reduce that. So understand that because all these tips I'm telling you right now, they are not going to do you any good if you are highly stressed and not managing your stress and reducing your stress properly. So saying that, let's move on to the thing. So if you can start targeting your stress, start bringing it down, right? Start to work on your mindset, then these are the big five things that are going to help you a lot. So number one, it's calories in versus calories out. Okay, you need to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight, right? That is, it's, it's as simple as that. There's, yeah, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of nuances within there and stuff like that, but you need to be burning less, you need to be burning more calories than you are bringing in. That's just basic math. One of the ways you can do that, right, and I've talked about this before, is through tracking your food. Number one way is tracking your food, figuring out what do you hypothesize? You've got to hypothesize, right? There's calculators out there. So there's two ways. You can use a calculator online or you can just go, hey, you know what? I'm going to track what I'm eating this week. And if my weight's the same at the end of the week, then I know what my maintenance calories are. And if I've gained a little weight at the end of the week, then I know I'm eating too many calories. Or if I've lost a little bit of weight, then yes, I know I'm in a deficit. So you can do that or you can use a calculator. I like to go the calculator route just because it's a little faster. Um, you know, there's science to it, but again, it's just an estimation. It's a hypothesis. But calories in versus calories out is going to be a really big one. Then from there, you can start doing things like volumetrics. You know, that allows you to kind of feel like you're eating more food without actually eating more food. But tracking your calories, guys, and making sure that you're staying in a deficit is going to be the number one biggest changer there is, in my opinion. Um, I, for one, am one of those people that for a long time, and even a long time in my coaching career, and clients got results for sure, and I'll, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. I was all about the quality of food. I mean, there were times that I was in my late 20s, maybe early 30s, where it was like organic and this and that, and I'd go to restaurants, and I would drive the servers nuts, because I'd be like, well, what kind of oil are they using for those vegetables? Is it blessed olive oil from some, you know, from some Catholic priest in Italy? No, then I do not want it. Um, you know, things like that. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I went for a DEXA scan, as you guys know. If you don't know what that is, that is the number one way to tell what your body fat is. And I went for that in early February of this year, of 2022. And I came in at a, you know, healthy for my age body fat percentage. And I was like, that, for me, no, not for you. If you're overweight right now or obese, that's probably, you would probably love to be there. But for me, that was completely unacceptable. I mean, I'm like, dude, I've been doing this shit for 20 years. I've helped cage fighters. I've helped models. I've helped freaking movie stars, TV stars. And there I am at just health, like like mid-healthy for a guy my age, kind of average health for a guy my age. And I uh, was training, you know, four or five days a week at the gym. I was like, this is completely unacceptable. I'm making all the right food choices. Like, you name it, I'm on it. I got, I keep it all my food in glass containers. I got a chlorine filter on my sink. I got a chlorine filter in my shower. Uh, I'm only keeping everything I said in glass bottles, no xenoestrogens. I'm drinking only out of a freaking stainless steel or copper bottle in the sun. I'm doing the sauna twice a week, the whole nine yards. And I was still like 20, 21% body fat. And I was like, Mm. So the biggest thing I did is I said right there, I said, you know what? 
I am going to start tracking my calories. I'm going to use one of those calculators. I'm going to start tracking. And you know what happened? Last time I checked my body fat percentage, it was down around 14.5%. Now, that was with calipers, and I don't necessarily trust those. I think I'm closer to about 16%, 15, 16 in that area. Um, But really, I didn't change the foods. In fact, if anything, I actually started incorporating more junk foods and a little bit more processed foods into my diet. Once I started doing my calories, I'm like, hey, you know what? Today I can sneak in that chocolate chip cookie. I can sneak in that Timbit. But the biggest thing I did was I really started tracking my calories. The food quality, like arguably, did not change. The quantity did. And the ratios, which I'm going to talk about in a second. And they changed a little bit. Even that did not change that much. Honestly, the ratios were almost the same. Um, which is, means the, the actual nutrient types I was getting. So calories in versus calories out, number one. Now, this leads me to number two. Number two is lean protein. Getting in lean protein. Now, this is where a lot of people make a mistake. And they go, uh, Damon, can you come here, bud? Can you just close the store for me, please? Like I said, he's in now from, how was the snow? Good? Good. Good, okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, where was I? Lean protein. So this is a mistake a lot of people make. And I did a video on TikTok and, and it kind of went on fire. I had over a million views on TikTok from this one. And a lot of people mistake protein, foods with protein in it for lean protein foods. So a can of tuna, for example, has about 20, 30 grams of protein. I'm just giving you some rough numbers. 20, 30 grams of protein and pretty much nothing else. Very little fat, no carbohydrates. It's, it, that is a can of protein. Um, a whey protein scoop, that is protein. There might be three grams of carbs in it, one gram of fat. That is protein. Like 90% of the calories in there are protein. You get to something like bacon, sausages, even an egg. An egg gets more calories from fat than protein. Now, this is what happens, of course, and this is what happened on TikTok, is people start going nuts. Oh, he's telling me not to eat eggs. He's saying eggs are not a good source of protein. No, that's not what I said. What I said was if I wanted 40 grams of protein at breakfast, which I actually need, and I was going to do that through eggs, that would be about six eggs, and that is just going to be a lot of fat calories. I'm not talking about the cholesterol argument here and there. I'm just talking about calories from fat would be very high, much higher, double than the calories from my protein. And if I want my breakfast to be, say, 40 grams of carbs, 40 grams of protein, and 10 grams of fat, that's two eggs. But that's only 12 grams of protein. So you see see what I'm talking about here? So lean protein, focusing on making sure that you are getting one gram per lean pound of body weight. Now, a lot of you at home are saying, I don't know what my lean body weight is, Roar. I don't have a body fat scale. I don't have a DEXA scan. Then, okay, then let's do this. Let's say you're overweight. If you cannot see any abs, if you got a bit of a tummy on you, we'll just say it like this. We're going to call you at least 22% body fat, 25, 20 worst case. And I highly doubt it. Not if you got a belly. Because I didn't have a belly when I went in for my DEXA scan, and I was still at 21%, right? And I like what most people would argue pretty good. But again, that's a different story about how body fats are kind of... The, the idea of body fats messed up by the fitness world, by the way. But we, that's a topic for another day. Um, so I would say do this then, do 0.7 grams per pound you weigh. 
So let's say I'm just let's break out the math for a second here. So let's say guys, you are um, let's say you're 240 pounds right now. So you're 240 pounds times 0.7. It's about 168 grams of protein. Might be a little low, but hey, most of you, and I promise you this, most of you are probably getting, if you're lucky, 50 to 60 grams of protein a day. I have clients all the time that tell me they eat well, they do good protein. And they're like, what do you have for breakfast? Oh, I'll have um, peanut butter. It's got protein. Dude, that, that's like 8 grams of fat, 10 grams of fat, and like 1 gram of protein. Most people don't understand that. So going for 168 grams of protein, preferably from leaner sources only because then you can help to control your calories. I mean, an easy and boring, I'm not telling you to do this, but the most easy, boring way to do it, and that's why a lot of you, especially the younger fitness guys that give you the same shit, what is it? It's always tuna or chicken, so we'll just go with chicken breast, broccoli, brown rice, and some olive oil on top, right? Because that is a simple meal to figure out because the chicken is all protein. The rice is all carbs. The broccoli is all just nothing. When it comes to calories, it's very much nothing. Um, bit of fiber some, and definitely some nutrients. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Again, I'm talking calories here. Uh, and then the oil, again, it's very easy to count. So boom, boom, boom. They'll get those three things, those four things done. You're, that is simple formula, right? You repeat that. It's, that makes math easy. Difference is when you get into, like, let's say, like a red Thai curry, now we've used a can of coconut milk, and a can of coconut milk is 150 calories and 15 grams of fat and one-third of a cup. We're using the whole can. That's like three cups in there or three servings or whatever it is. It, gets, it can get messy. So by focusing on lean proteins as your source and trying to keep everything as lean as whole as possible, um, then it does become a bit easier. Uh, and again, things like, you know, I have a client who really loves blueberry muffins. So we said, okay, we looked at it. Okay, the fat's not too high in his muffins. The protein's not existent in his muffins. Carbs are pretty high. So we just said, okay, well, then we'll, we'll put that into your carbohydrates and there you go. So you don't have to be eating all whole food, you know, quote, whole foods all day. Um, but the, the, the simpler you can have, if you can have a food that's a protein food, it's mostly protein, and a carb food that's mostly carbs, and a fat food that's mostly fat, it does make life easier. It gets trickier when you start getting something like an egg, which is, you know, a lot of protein, but a lot of fat, you know, it gets trickier like that, right? Same thing with beans, right? Beans, a lot of protein, but a lot of carbs. It starts to get a little bit tricky. So focusing on that lean protein, right, is going to be a big one. That's honestly, that's why people say, uh, people ask me, do, do I have to take up? protein powder i say you don't have to but it makes life a lot easier a lot easier when it comes to math and i'll be honest a lot easier on your wallet because if you wanted to get let's say you're going to use egg whites uh, and you're doing 40 grams of protein at breakfast that's going to be a half a container of egg whites at six bucks a container that egg whites might last you three meals so every three days you're spending six bucks where a tub of protein um it ends up being about 50 cents a serving, maybe 25 cents, depending on what you can get. So lean protein is going to be uh, number two, okay? Now, number three, we'll jump off nutrition. We're going to actually come back to nutrition a little bit later because there is another big, big tip I want to get to. But number three is going to be weight training, right? Boom, training weights. You want to be weight training because muscle is metabolically active. Meaning, when you have more muscle and you eat food, your muscles actually will burn off more calories. You are more metabolically active, long story short. So you want to be your main focus. If you want to keep your 
metabolism engine burning for life being able to eat a little bit not out of your calories but able to eat more calories without gaining fat that is going to be by adding some muscle and, mu and adding muscle by the way guys it's it's not easy it's not um i like me right i mean you know i'm not huge I've been training, I wait, and I train, I know how to train, man. I've trained pro fighters, I've trained Olympians, I've trained celebrities, I've trained guys that play Superman, I've trained shitloads of very impressive people around the planet. I've trained with CrossFit champions, right? I've trained with jujitsu guys. Building muscle is not easy. It, it's not. Um, if it was, everybody'd be all the dudes at the gym that you could like do even work out, they would look like they work out. You know, I would be huge if it worked as well as most people think. So, but focusing on weight training is going to be a big one for you. And I'm not getting into all the details on that today. But if you're not weight training, if you're not resistance training, we'll say, we'll even call it resistance training. Now, I will preface with this. Weights. If, you, if you're a dude, at some point, you should be getting into weights. Yes, you can start off with body weight for sure. Yes, you can screw around with bands. And yes, you can screw around with TRXs. But the best bang for your buck long term, at some point, all those other things are going to start to give you diminishing returns. They're just not going to start to work because there's only so much you can do with that stuff if you can't progressively overload. That means making workouts harder over time. And at some point, body weight... Even if you're like doing two push-ups and you get into one-handed push-ups and you get into all these different variations of push-ups, at some point, you know, people say, well, put on a heavy vest. Well, that you've just added weight. So we're back to weight training again. <laughs> you've just added weight to your body, but you're weight training. Uh, so progressively overloading, you know, is easiest done through weights because you can constantly add a couple pounds of weights. There's different ways of progressive overload for sure. But, you know, we're not going to get into that today. But if you're not weight training... You are doing your body, you're doing your mind, you're doing your muscles, and you're doing your testosterone, your libido, your sexual drive, a very big uh, disservice. So you want to be focusing on weight training to minimum, minimum, we'll say two's minimum, I would say that's not great. I would say three to four times a week. Five if you love the gym. Now, if you don't love the gym, you're watching this right now going, I don't like the gym. Then three days a week, right? Two days a week if you just want to maintain kind of strength and like, oh, I just want to maintain my health. Yeah, all right. Three if you actually want to change your body for life. Four, uh, for sure. I think you could cap it at four. Unless you really love the gym, then go five days a week. And you want to be focusing on big compound movements, total body workouts for the most part. Saying that, obviously, if you're going to the gym five days a week, you want to be doing total body five days a week. The more you go to the gym, the, the more your plan will have to change. If you're going to the gym, like, say, three times a week, you can do three total body workouts quite easily. If you're going four, it might be like a total with an upper focus, a total with a lower, total with an upper, a total with a lower. That's the idea. Two times a week, total body for sure. That's a no-brainer. Because um, you do really want to be making sure you're hitting every muscle group two times a week. Now, this is this is a lot different than most of you are thinking, right? If you, especially if you guys are in your 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you probably grew up like I did. You only want to hit your chest once a week. You only want to your shoulders once a week. Any more than that, you know, blah, 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 blah. No. You want to be hitting every muscle group two times, if not three times a week. I hit everything up three times a week. There's usually two fairly voluminous, intense days within that, followed by a third tertiary, sort of hitting it a bit. So just to give you an example, 
maybe Monday's bench press. Wednesday might be incline bench press, both full sets, all up, progressive overload to near failure. Saturday might be more dips, right, where I am hitting the chest, but it's not, it's, you know, the focus is on, say, the, you know, the triceps, bit on the shoulders. Uh, the chest is getting activated. I'm not directly targeting the chest, so it's kind of a, a secondary effect. But getting, again, now we're getting down the road, but we're getting off track. But that's where we are, okay, when it comes to weight training. Now, number four, and this is one that I really ignored for the longest time, and that is going to be your activity outside of the gym. So that's called, and we're going to break it down into two things. One thing is what it's called, and the other thing is kind of a term that I, I like to say I've invented this term, because there's an argument going around right now. What we're talking about is NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So a few examples, I am doing it right now while I am recording this. Number one, I am at a standing desk. So it has me standing when I use a standing desk most of the day. I've been using standing desk for a long time. I am also on a rotating swivel chair. If you're watching this on video, I tend to swivel a lot and it moves and it's kind of a bit of an unstable chair. I also use a Swiss ball because that's unstable. Get it. Just non-exercise, meaning not exercise, activity, meaning movement, thermogenesis, meaning uh, calorie burning, right? So... There's that, and I'm also a hand talker, right? As you can, if you're watching the video, you're like, God, does he ever put his hands down? I actually do try my hardest to keep my arms down, but I tend, to, I'm a very animated speaker. So that is non-exercise exceeding the thermogenesis. Now, there's an argument that some people say that is a genetic sort of, that's a personality and genetic thing that if you say, say, you know what, I'm going to start going for a, a walk every day, then all of a sudden that's no longer non-exercise because that is kind of a, it's a, your personality is like that. You tend to be a fidget or whatnot. Don't know if I agree with that exactly, but let's just say for argument, that's what it is. You can't force yourself to be a fidget or a hand talker and all that. So what you can do then is you can go into what I call low activity exercise thermogenesis. That is things like you taking more walks, using a standing desk, using a Swiss ball, anything where you are consciously forcing yourself to move more. So consciously, as opposed to non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which they say is unconscious. This is consciously putting yourself through very low energy activities, okay? Walking, standing desk, rocking in a chair, things like that. Um, anything that you can do using a leaning chair, anything that you can set up in your environment to force you to get in more activity. But the number one thing, whether you're talking about neat or late, L-A-E-T, late, neat or late, or leet, maybe I'll call it leet, maybe it's low exercise activity thermogenesis, I don't know, is step tracking, right? This is going to be your best friend. So for instance, today, and this comes down to another point where we talk, you know, behaviors is, because it's snowing outside, my step, my neat, my leet, neat, whatever you want to call it, it's bottomed out. Normally on a, on a noon, on any day, when there's not snow on the ground, I'm always at 5,000 steps by 12 o'clock. Always. I don't think I've ever failed to come under that. Today, I'm at 1,071. Now, I'll say this. I only put on my watch about an hour ago, but I haven't been outside. I haven't done much today. So at best... I may be at 2,000. 
My clients, when I get them tracking their steps, when I get them tracking their low-level physical activity, they find gigantic changes. Okay, and it's the same thing if we're talking about mobility. I am six foot four, white dude, extremely unflexible. I lived in hot countries. I would do yoga in Indonesia. I did hot yoga. I did fucking hot yoga, 40 degree yoga, 45 degree yoga in Bangkok when it's 45 degrees outside. All right, I'm, I'm just hot all day. It was like, that's going to increase my flexibility. That's what I need. Again, this was only guys like eight years ago, right? I knew a lot. Still was doing it wrong. Because what I've done now is getting back to this like non-exercise type of the low level is I do little stretching every single day. So I do mobility routines every day. I have a yoga mat that I do in the morning and that has made that 10 minutes a day does more for my mobility than an hour and a half of hot yoga two to three days a week ever did or ever would do. So tracking your Steps tracking your physical activity units is extremely important. And you can do things, like I said, set up your environment for it. Standing desk, wobble chair, lean board, Swiss ball, taking walking meetings, talking on the phone more often. Why can't you have one of your conference calls walking around? There's some guys I watch, you know, they got the walking treadmill under their desk. I forget there's one guy, he's got his YouTube channel, he's a nutrition guy. Uh, every video is kind of annoying because he's walking while he's talking the whole time. So it's like this, right? But still, guy can't argue that he's not getting in his steps, right? So that's number four. And number five, getting back to food again, is high satiety foods. There is an index out there right now of foods that you can eat that are going to make you feel very, very full for the amount of calories they have. So let me uh, open it up right now. I'm gonna type in, so you can do this in Google, right? Type in high satiety index. Click on images. Let's see the description of it. The higher the score, the fuller you feel. Eating foods that score high on the satiety index can help reduce food intake. Foods that are very satisfying, and by that they mean satiating, tend to be, oh, what's this? Protein-rich, fiber-rich, lower in fat, whole, and less processed foods. So let's take a look at Let's see the top ones. Which one am I going to click on here? Here we go. All right. Number one, boiled potatoes. Not French fries, not mashed potatoes with cream. Taking potatoes and boiling them, right? Getting my how heavy with all that extra water in there too. Maybe eat them cold even because then you got the prebiotic fiber, right? So, which is really good for your gut health. But yeah, let's say cold boiled potatoes and worst case, warm boiled potatoes is going to be number one. Scoring ridiculously high. Um, this chart is basically based from zero to about, looks like about 300, not even zero really, but about, well, let's say zero to 350, 340 is the chart. Boiled potatoes score 323. So they are they are like pat, they're the only ones that make it past 300. They are way up there. The number two is white 
fish, again, because high in protein, so white fish, high in protein, low in fat, no carbs. Also high on there is porridge, oatmeal, right? Again, high in fiber, high in water. Oranges, as far as a fruit goes, scores very high. Brown pasta, so brown pasta, okay, scores pretty good too, just a little under 200, but overall, there you go. Um, let's see some things that score not great to give you an example. Okay, croissants. Croissants are basically just butter and sugar. They score 47. They were the lowest scoring food. And man, those things, I don't know if you got my kid likes croissants. Those things are basically the cotton candy of the bread world. You put them in your mouth and they just dissolve. They, just, they literally are <laughs> cotton candy. Uh, if you gave me a bag of cotton candy and a bag of croissants, I'll, just, I'll be honest, I would take the croissants first. A cake is way down there. Donuts, chocolate bar, potato chips, all scoring under 100. French fries, that jumps up to about 125, it looks like. Cookies, a little bit higher. So you get the idea, right? We're talking about the kind of foods that score high. Uh, apples are pretty high. Apples are scoring at 200. So even red meat. Red meat scores up there around uh, about a 200. So there you go. So high satiety foods are foods that make you feel very, very full without having to eat a lot of it. Legumes apparently are also on there, it says, according to this little thing there. So that's it. Those are my five big things. And if you take these and you go with it, and like I said, you have to obviously umbrella, manage your stress, and make sure that your stress is not forcing you into bad behaviors, bad habits, getting off the plan of doing these five things. Because if you get stressed, you don't want to go to the gym. If you get stressed, it's easier to eat peanut butter, you know, or even uh, worse, Kate, what's, the, what's that other one? Nutella. Then going, boy, I can't wait to have a chicken breast or a can of tuna. Uh, calories in versus calories out. Most people reward themselves. A lot of people, I should say, not most, but a lot of people reward themselves with food. I'm one of those. It's the kind of people that get stressed out and they don't eat. They're the kind of people that get stressed out and do eat. I know if I'm ridiculously stressed out, like, I mean, like, to the point of, like, God, are you getting fired or something? Then that is, uh, you know, that then I tend not to eat. But for the most part, my normal low-level stress, I'm a stress eater. Like, if I get stressed out in a line or the mall and it's annoying me or just shitty traffic that kind of like moderate moderate annoying stress i'm an overreader um neat tracking your steps and your activity and then uh, high satiety foods those are uh, that is it so let me know what you guys think if you happen to be watching this on video if not then yeah, you don't have to let me know what you think. Of course, you always feel free to share this video or share this podcast with whoever you feel may need it. And let me know in the comments if you are watching it in a place where you can comment. Let me know if any of this stuff is something you're going to try or if there's anything else that you would add to my list of five or even replace. And of course, guys, like I said, for right now, this is December the 21st, 2022. I am offering to the first three people who step up and take a first five pound strategy call, which leads them to getting accepted into my program. I am giving one free month in my VIP one-on-one stronger, leaner, fitter program, or three free weeks in my all new group training program. And of course, guys, I am here like always 
to help you live stronger, longer, and most importantly, a hell of a lot better. All right, guys, talk to you again soon. busy entrepreneur or professional who's been hard at work chasing your passions and designing your dream career, but you've placed your fitness and health on the back burner and now you're seriously thinking about or maybe even currently struggling to transform your body and your health while still fitting in all the big responsibilities you have? Well, if the answer is yes, then let me help you get into the best shape of your life without the fad diets, the internet challenges, the exhausting hit workouts, or take it away from your work passion projects, social life, or family. Simply go to www.barbellstobuddhas.com slash free call and schedule your 15-minute first five-pound strategy call with me today. It's completely free. Leave your wallet at home, and I look very forward to speaking with you.